Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Salvador Perez with two down. Here it comes. Swing a long drive left field. Dickerson going back to the track, to the corner, and it is long gone. Home run for Salvador Perez. Makes it 2 nothing Royals. Dickerson at second. 2-1 to Ruiz. Swinging a ground ball up the middle. It's a base hit into the center field. Dickerson coming around third. Waters up with the throw toward the plate. It is not in time. Dickerson scores standing the tying run. RBI single, Kbert Ruiz. It's a brand new game. The Nationals 2 and the Royals 2. Now the pitch. Swinging a fly ball to right field. Melendez playing shallow. It's way back. It's over his head. This one goes to the fence. Ruiz will score. Smith has scored. Call to third. He'll stop. And in at second with a double. Over the shallow right fielder is C.J. Abrams. Nationals 4. Royals 2. The sixth inning is magical again for the Nationals. And welcome to that chat for Sunday, May 28th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Nationals now in the 2023 regular season have scored a total of 224 runs. 30 of those runs, 13.4%, have been sixth inning runs. And 12 of the Nats' 30 sixth inning runs have been scored over just the first two games of this three-game series at the Kansas City Royals. Friday night, a uh, wild 12-10 win in which the Nats had an eight-run six. Saturday, a more mild-mannered 4-2 win in which the Nats scored all four of their runs in the game in the sixth inning. The Nats now are 23-29. and 29. They, on Sunday afternoon, will try for their first sweep of a series, any series, since August 2021. The Nats haven't had a three-game sweep of a series since June 2021, haven't swept a road series of at least three games since August 2019. But Mark, the uh, sixth inning is the inning for the Nationals, at least so far this weekend. This has really been something. I don't know if there's a great explanation for it, except to say that they've just been outstanding. Here are the total numbers for them at the plate in the sixth inning of this series. 11 for 18 with five doubles, a homer, three walks, a hit batter, and of course, the 12 runs scored, as you said. Now, I do think there's maybe something to it. 
and that's this. Both of those innings started with the Royals starter on the mound. He had been pretty good up to that point, but he clearly was fading by the time they got to the lineup this third time through. So I think it starts with that. And typically, you knock out a starter in the sixth inning, especially with no outs, as was the case here. The opposing manager is going to go to one of his middle relievers, not his top relievers. Now, we've seen Davey Martinez a little different in his style, and he will sometimes bring in a big name to get out of the sixth inning like Kyle Finnegan a few days ago. In this case, the Royals did not have such a luxury, and so now you can sustain that rally against, uh, you know, let's say a, a middling reliever, maybe not one of the best. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe it's just random. Whatever the case, it's been really good for the Nationals, and it is the reason they've won these first two games of this series. It has been remarkable the extent to which the Nats have just like erupted in these six innings. Now, we should note the Royals are horrible. I mean, Oakland is the worst team in the majors by miles. The Royals very clearly are the second worst team in the majors, but whatever. I mean, the the Nats to me don't have to apologize for any win over any team. This was, though, another sort of strange game here for the Nats. They do win the game. They do have another big six inning, but they only have eight hits in the game, although four of the eight hits were doubles. The Nats also did draw five walks, but two for 15 with runners in scoring position. How often are you going to win when you go two for 15 with runners in scoring position? And yet that's what happened on Saturday. Yeah, hardly ever. And it's honestly why in the back of my mind, I kept waiting to see if this was going to happen. If the bullpen had blown it late and there were opportunities where that could have happened. I think that would be the story of the game was the fact that there were countless opportunities for them to add to their lead, and they just did not come through with them. Outside of the one inning, there were so many missed opportunities by them. And again, not facing the best pitching staff in uh, the league, in the Royals. So, you know, I want to give them credit. They did what they had to do to win this game, but I wouldn't necessarily say that this was a fantastic performance by them. And I think some of this success has to do with who they're facing. I don't know that this style, the way they've played these two games, particularly Saturday's game, is going to fly come Monday when they're in Los Angeles facing the Dodgers. You're going to have to be a little better than that in those meaningful situations. That's fine. You take any win you can get right now, but it's not necessarily a reflection of outstanding play by them in this case. This is a really interesting road trip for the Nats. You're facing two teams, each known for wearing blue, and yet these two teams are so different, right? The Royals' second worst team in baseball, the Dodgers' perennial contender, once again, playing good baseball on top of the National League West. So yeah, there is quite a discrepancy between the Nationals' uh, two opponents here on this road trip. So this four-run six on Saturday was interesting in a variety of ways. This was another inning, just like the eight-run six, in which it was one hit after another to get things going. What ended up happening in this inning, Jamer Candelario single, Corey Dickerson RBI double, Cape Ruiz RBI single, Dominic Smith single, Alex Cole walk to load the bases, CJ Abrams a two-run double to put the Nats up for two. All of this happened with no outs. It was after the Abrams double that you then got three consecutive outs in Lane Thomas striking out, Luis Garcia grounding out, and Joey Manessis lining out. But that was a four-run six. That could have been a six-run six, an eight-run six. I mean, watching it, you felt like four runs, forget it. Like, why stop there? You could have gotten a lot more than just the four runs. Right. That's why it really felt like what they did Friday when they exploded for eight runs. And, you know, let's talk about some of these hits. Corey Dickerson, big-time RBI double to left center for his 1,000th career hit, a big moment for him that he's been waiting for. Do you know, by the way, Corey Dickerson's first career hit came at Nationals Park in 2013, and it was a double off a guy named Dan Heron, notable national of the past. One of many hits that Dan Heron gave up that season, unfortunately. (laughs) 
2013 Dan Heron was not peak Dan Heron. No, it was not. It was not. But that was some nice symmetry for Corey Dickerson. He got his first hit in D.C., now his 1,000th hit as a member of the National. But that was meaningful. You know, it wasn't just one of these, you know, base hit late in a blowout game or something that had no significance. This was a meaningful hit, got him on the board, finally broke the ice. Cabert Ruiz follows with a nice single with Dickerson scoring from second, and he did not slide. Watching it, Dom Smith as the uh, on-deck hitter, Went up to the plate and he put his hands up as if to say, like, you can just coast in. It was actually a closer play than it appeared to be. But again, it all worked out fine. And to me, the really big hit of the inning is C.J. Abrams. Two-run double over the right fielder's head. And this was yet another example. We've seen a lot of these here this season. C.J. Abrams, clutch extra base hit late in a game off a left-hander. We've seen him do this several times now. To me, that's such a good sign for what the future could hold for him. He hasn't been great offensively, hasn't been consistent offensively, but he has shown this ability to deliver in big spots. And that fact that he's doing it against lefties, I think tells me even more. Yeah, I mean, to whatever extent you want to value runs batted in, Abrams is second on the team in runs batted in with 27. Joey Medesis is number one at 28. It is tricky with Abrams because the overall offensive profile isn't good. The slash line, 240 batting average, 291 on base, 401 slugging, but he has had some big hits. And you do see in him the makings of someone who can be good offensively. And I'm constantly reminding myself with Abrams, like, you're only talking about a handful of months at the major league level for him with the Nats. You cannot rush to judgment here. You've got to let this guy have some time to develop before you start arriving at any real conclusions with him offensively. You know, going back to Corey Dickerson, so he has the double in this game. He, of course, had the big home run on Friday night. It's a small sample, yes, but Corey Dickerson has given the Nats a jolt here. He over 10 games this season, the bulk of which have happened since he came back from the injury, has an OPS of 1,009. Like, this guy is producing when he plays, and maybe this is someone who can provide the Nats with some much-needed power and give them a little bit of a boost here. Because as we talked about on the last installment of the podcast, the Nats are really a few home runs away from being a good offensive team. It's the lack of homers more than anything that has hurt this team offensively. Maybe Dickerson can help in that regard. He really has been impressive as a hitter since returning from injury. He's always been a good offensive player against right-handers. Even when his overall numbers haven't been as good, he's been solid, if not very good, against righties. And that's the vast majority of his playing time right now is against righties. Now, it's a little bit weird that they have faced so many lefties here the last few weeks. So he's not playing every day, but he's still showing he can be productive in a part-time platoon role. Stone Garrett's also been good against lefties, not against righties. So you put those two together, that's actually turned into a nice platoon for them in left field. Now, we'll see if they can keep it up. But I think this is exactly what they were hoping to get from Corey Dickerson all along. And yeah, he is somebody who can hit for some power. Maybe it's more doubles than homers, but I think he will hit some balls out of the park when it's all said and done. And that's what this lineup needs. Now, he's not going to be a huge difference maker. He's not going to hit third or fourth for them, I don't think, although he was, what, fifth in this game. But I do think with the right matchups, he can be effective and he can add another element as just a proven hitter in this lineup that doesn't have very many of those. Jamer Candelario in this game on Saturday, multi-hit effort for him, two for four, double, single, and a walk. Lane Thomas in this game, another extra base hit. He went one for four with a double and a walk, did strike out twice, but he had a one-out double to left field in the top of the fifth inning. And the Nats, once again, do what is needed to do to come away with the win. So with the Keeper Ruiz RBI single, boy, did he need that. And he got that. And it was good to see that. 
I'm interested to see on Sunday afternoon, day game off a later day game on Saturday, not a night game, but do we see Riley Adams? Because, you know, in recent history this season, many times we've seen Kbert Ruiz catch all three games in a series. We know that Riley's been really good offensively. We know that Kbert has been struggling offensively, but he did have this hit on Saturday. Do you have any inclination if we'll see Riley on Sunday afternoon or not? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, we will see him. I don't know that based on actual information, but they're facing a lefty in Daniel Lynch. We know Riley Adams has played better here lately. There also is no off day after this. And then they go to Dodger Stadium, where I can imagine Davey Martinez wants Cabert Ruiz behind the plate as much as possible. And I would imagine Cabert Ruiz wants to be behind the plate at Dodger Stadium, given his connection to that organization. So I think that when the time comes and Davey has to ask him if he's willing to take Sunday off, I think Cabert would accept that one. The matchup makes sense. Adams has done well. They're facing a lefty. Going into LA, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Cabert will have Sunday off. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nats Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare, for example. Mason has worked with DOJ, SEC, and all kinds of government lawyers to get law firm partnerships at some of the most prestigious firms in the country. He also regularly works with partners at law firms looking to upgrade their platforms or brands to firms to better fit those partners' practices. Or sometimes, okay, let's be honest, often, Mason Kalfas works with partners looking for more money as a fair reward for the business that the partners are bringing in. Even in the quote-unquote slow first quarter of 2023, Mason Kalfas worked with three different lawyers who doubled the compensation their previous law firms were paying those lawyers. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. He is Scott Boris-like when it comes to law firm partner contracts, and Mason Kalfas will negotiate you a new and better contract today. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's ready. The kick and the pitch. Tulo gets away from Ruiz to the right of the plate and a run will score. In from third is Nick Prado to second is Salvador Perez. And the Royals take the lead on a ball in the dirt that could not be kept near the plate by Ruiz. It's a wild pitch the third of the year for Josiah Gray and the Royals lead one to nothing. So Cabot Ruiz, of course, was acquired by the Nationals in a trade with the Dodgers that also brought to the Nats Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray was the Nats starting pitcher on Saturday for this 4-2 win at the Royals. And Gray, for a second consecutive outing, had a rather strange outing. He only lasted for four innings. Now, he gave up two runs, so it's not like he got bombed in this start. But he, over the four innings, threw 91 pitches, 57 strikes, versus 34 balls. He gave up four hits, a homer, a double, and two singles. He issued three walks and a run-scoring wild pitch. He had four strikeouts. Bottom of the first, Gray allowed a run on a leadoff walk and Nick Prado, a one-out single by Salvador Perez to left center field on a 1-2 pitch and a two-out run-scoring wild pitch. Gray in the bottom of the third allowed a run on a two-out first pitch solo homer by Perez to left field for a 2-0 Royals lead. Gray tossed a scoreless bottom of the fourth despite issuing two walks and giving up a single, although he did have two strikeouts. Gray's last outing prior to this outing on Saturday, 6-4 win over the Detroit Tigers at Nationals Park last Sunday afternoon, May 21st. One run in five innings, you like that, but he in that game issued a staggering six walks and he over 88 pitches in that game through just 48 strikes versus 40 balls. What'd you think of Gray on Saturday? And what do you think about where he's at here right now? He has not been really sharp here lately. I think April was him pretty much in his peak form, and it was really a good thing to see. What he's done so far in May has been more erratic, definitely high pitch counts, more walks. Give up a homer in this game. He hasn't given up a lot of those. Thankfully, it was a solo shot. I think the biggest thing, though, that I take away from these is that in spite of some obvious issues, command issues, high pitch counts, all that stuff, he is still limiting the damage. And I think that's a difference between 2023 Josiah Gray and 2022 Josiah Gray. And that's an important step. You're not always going to have your best stuff. You're going to have to fight through sometimes to get through it. Now, four innings is still not enough. And he would be the first to tell you that. 91 pitches in four innings is not going to get the job done. The Royals fouled off 22 pitches. That's a lot. That drove up the count. He had a lot of long at-bats. He threw a lot of cutters, a lot of sliders, not as many fastballs. Davey talked about wanting to see him trust his fastball more. Cutters are pitches, especially in on lefties, that you may not hit it solidly, but you do foul it off, and so that's going to drive up a pitch count. So all of this, I think he's still learning But if the result of that is that he's still only giving up a couple of runs per outing, that's a good sign. But I do want to see now him flip that switch and look more like the guy we saw in April, which is actually taking control of a start, 
getting through six or even seven innings and limiting the damage. His next start, I believe, is going to come against the Phillies. That's going to be a much stiffer challenge than Detroit or Kansas City. So he's going to need to be more on point when he faces them. Josiah Gray is the most improved Nat from last season to this season. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And I don't think you can be anything but pleased with the season that he's having. That said, and I brought this up the last time Gray pitched, I think that we are in for a bit of a market correction with Gray. I don't think that he's pitching as well as that now 277 ERA would suggest. The peripheral scream that he's not quote unquote deserving of a 277 ERA. Now, that's not to say that he's deserving of an ERA of five, you know, but I think his ERA probably should be more in the threes than it should be in the twos. And I think we may be headed in that direction. The whip now is at 141. He doesn't strike out a ton of guys. He gets some, but not enough to where you feel like, okay, this guy is a true strikeout pitcher, especially in this day and age of strikeout pitchers. And if you look at something like the batting average on balls in play allowed, it's at 282. 300 is more or less league average. So that does suggest that he's benefiting from some good luck in terms of the uh, the variance of the batted ball. So, you know, it's just to say, I mean, has he been as good as the 277 ERA suggests? I think you could make a pretty compelling case that the answer to that is no, but he has been a lot better. And to your point, he is limiting the damage. And there's a lot to be said for that because we have seen so many Nat starting pitchers these last few years not limit damage and get shellacked in outings. And you're not seeing that this season. You know, a bad outing is two runs in four innings. You can live with that. But I think it is notable when you sort of study Gray's statistical profile for this season You see the 277 ERA, and then you see everything else, and the everything else doesn't quite match up with that ERA. 277 ERA is outstanding. The other numbers are not outstanding. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's been a little fortunate here lately to not be suffering more damage. But like I said, I do think there is value to take from him getting out of some situations. He had a big one in this game, fourth inning, first two batters get on. He's got, what, second and third, I think. He does get a couple of strikeouts there. Another walk, next thing you know, the bases are loaded and gets a line out to get out of it. And that wound up being his last pitch of the day. That's an important spot there. I know it's much earlier. You'd rather that come and say the sixth inning than the fourth inning. But to get out of that, not allowing anything else, I do think is an important step for him. And I just feel like a year ago, that would not have been the case. And all of a sudden, we're talking about Josiah Gray being pulled after four innings, having given up four or five runs instead of only two. So Josiah Gray only lasted for four innings in this game. That was not what the Nats needed from a bullpen standpoint, given the state of the bullpen, which lately has been overworked and has not been performing particularly well. And so, of course, it makes perfect sense that it makes no sense that the Nats bullpen on Saturday ended up being outstanding. I mean, this is one of the best games that the Nationals bullpen has had in a while here. And I give these guys full credit. You had in this game four Nats relievers combining for five scoreless innings with six strikeouts, and there was not that much drama here. First of all, Mason Thompson had his best outing since I can't remember when, a perfect bottom of the fifth, a scoreless bottom of the sixth, and he did this on a total of just 19 pitches. This was the Mason Thompson of April, or at least the first few weeks of April, so he looked good. That was good to see. The resurgence of Carl Edwards Jr. then continued. Scoreless bottom of the seventh. Now, he did give up a walk into single, so it wasn't a clean inning, but ultimately another scoreless inning for Edwards. And then you had Hunter Harvey followed by Kyle Finnegan, and each of those guys ended up being good. Harvey, a scoreless bottom of the eighth with two strikeouts. Finnegan, a scoreless bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts. Who knew? This, this bullpen, which has not been in a good place here lately, did quite well on Saturday. 
Well, and the thing is, given what had happened the night before, you're thinking to yourself, they really need Josiah Gray to go deeper in this game. Instead, he goes only four, and now they're really going to be up a creek. Well, no, hang on a second. Three of the four guys were given Friday night off because of all the work they've had. They came back and looked fantastic, all things considered. This was a big outing, I think, for Mason Thompson. He needed that, like you said, the efficiency of it. The funny thing is, his first battery faced in the fifth, Pasquantino, he falls behind 3-0. And you're thinking, oh, no, here we go again. He battled back, struck him out, and then got through the rest of the inning, including on a scorched 110-mile-an-hour comebacker by Bobby Witt Jr. that Thompson admitted afterwards he never saw it. He didn't even know at first that he had caught it. He thought maybe the ball bounced off the glove, and then he realized, no, wait, it's actually in the glove. But he got through it fine, a good sixth inning, including a double play that he started. I think for him, that was an important inning, uh, two innings of work that maybe helps him start to recapture the form he had in April. And then the rest of the guys, they did their job. It wasn't dominant. They all had runners on base, but nothing ever really got too much out of hand. I keep saying this, the fact that they're pitching so much is actually a reflection of how good the team has been, or at least how competitive the team has been, that they're in every one of these games. And so now here we go again, going into Sunday with Mackenzie Gore on the mound, a chance to sweep a series for the first time in forever. And I feel like every time you mention this on the podcast, they of course end up laying an egg and it doesn't happen. Maybe this will be the time that it finally flips. But if it does, who do they have to close it out? (laughs) Does Davey go back to these guys again? And now all of a sudden you have a very depleted bullpen going into LA. I'll be fascinated to see if the situation arises where they go with this. But the fact they're in this spot does underscore just how competitive they have been. You're talking now since April 20th, they've gone 18 and 16 as a team. It's the fourth best record in the National League in that time. Now, the National League has not been very good, <laughs> so that's part of it. But hey, you know what? Two games over 500 for more than a month now. When's the last time we could say that about the Nationals? And again, I think it all is viewed through a prism of what this team was last season and where this team is in terms of the win curve, right? This is a rebuilding team. And so the bar is low and the expectations were low. And so to see them at 22 and 29, I mean, you know, the 2017 Nats, 22 and 29, you say, oh my God, what's going on with this team? You know, fire everybody. The 2023 Nats at 22 and 29, you're encouraged by this. So yeah, I mean, it certainly is a matter of of perspective. I think it is going to be interesting this series at the Dodgers because the Nats lately have been facing some teams that aren't very good. Again, you don't have to apologize for that, but it is worth noting some of the recent competition. You know, the Royals, the disappointing Padres, the Tigers. You know, I know the Marlins record isn't bad, but the run differential is. You're about to face the class of the National League for about a decade now in the Dodgers. So I think that'll be interesting. And then comes the Phillies, and then comes an Arizona team that has been pretty good, and then comes a series at Atlanta, and then a series at Houston. So things are going to start to stiffen up here a little bit. So we'll see where this takes us. But I don't know how you're anything but encouraged by what the Nats are doing. With Mason Thompson, so when he was struggling, and look, he may still be struggling, but he had a good outing on Saturday. You know, I really thought, man, there must be something physically wrong with him given the injury history. And and you detailed, no, I mean, at least according to Mason, he's okay. This is just a mechanical issue. He continues to pitch. So seemingly, if he's ailing in any way, it's not in a substantial way. Like, so maybe it was mechanical and maybe this is the kind of thing that can be fixed. I mean, he was in such a good place. Mason Thompson, as of games through April 26, ERA is 0.96, WHIP is 0.59. He was outstanding. And then the last month, it all fell apart. Boy, if he could get back on track and get back to where he was over the first 26 days of April, 
man, would that be a big lift to this Nats team? Yeah, absolutely. That and also what Carl Edwards has done in bouncing back has made a big difference because there are some options now for the high leverage spots. The way Davey has talked about it, the way Mason's talked about it is that maybe he developed some bad mechanical habits, started short arming it that led to some real loss of his command. And that's been the issue. But on top of that, and because of that, Davey has backed off of him quite a bit. He pitched in 13 of the team's first 29 games this season. Since then, it's only now seven of their last 22. So decreased workload, maybe that is helping him somewhat. It has given him time to work on things in between appearances. So maybe that's made a difference as well. You want to see some more of it, but the signs are at least pointing in the right direction again for Mason Thompson. And that's important because Lord knows they need as many reliable relievers as they can get, given who they have, given the fact that they're in all of these games and their starters don't generally go that deep, although they're right around league average in terms of their starts. It's five, almost five and a third innings. But you need as much bullpen depth as you can have. It will, over the course of a long season, pay dividends for them. So hopefully this is a sign that Thompson is back on track. Yeah, and as we've talked about with the Nats, for whatever reason, they're not one of these teams that options guys back and forth between the major league level and AAA to get fresh bullpen arms. It's almost like who you have is who you got, and you got to make do with who you have. There hasn't been much in the way of you go down, bring this guy up, and he ends up being just fine. It's like, no, you're kind of rolling with the guys who you began the season with in the bullpen. All right, so we'll see what happens on Sunday afternoon. The Nats going for their first series sweep in a very long time. This game three at the Royals, Sunday afternoon, 2-10. It is a McKenzie-Gore game. And, you know, Gore, like Josiah Gray, hasn't been at his best here lately. His last three starts, he's been off. 3-2 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park on May 12th. McKenzie Gore, four scoreless innings, but he only lasted for the four innings because he threw 96 pitches. Then came a 4-3 loss at the Miami Marlins on May 17th. Gore in that game, four runs, five and a third innings. And then came a 7-4 loss to the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park uh, this past Tuesday night, May 23rd. Three runs in four and two-thirds innings. He was in a really good place, a little bit off lately. This is going to happen over the course of a season for a young starting pitcher. But uh, obviously, it would be nice for the McKenzie Gore of a few weeks ago to be on display on Sunday afternoon. I actually think this is a really important start for him to get back on track. And he's going to be facing a, let's be honest, pretty weak Royals lineup. And on a day, as we just said, when they could really use some length from their starter as they go for a sweep. I think it's easy to look at it and say, oh, well, it's Kansas City. It's a, you've already won the series, you know, no pressure. No, I think you could actually look at it the other way and say, this is a big game for him, a big game for the team. This is the kind of lineup he should do very well against if he is the number one starter that he has looked like at times. So I'm very curious to see how he comes out in this one. Can he command? Can he keep the pitch count down? Can he go deeper in the game and pitch with some authority out there? I'm very curious to see how he does. It has not been a great series so far for the Nats from a starting pitching standpoint. Patrick Corbin Friday night, Josiah Gray Saturday, and yet the Nats have won the first two games of this series. We hope for greatness from Mackenzie Gore on Sunday afternoon. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. We'd love to have you on board. Email Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. Again, that email address is natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You could also send us a voice memo with your memories of the Nats run to the 2019 World Series Championship. Again, the email address natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website, natschatpodcast.com. 
All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit his site, timnewmark.com. Nats Chat is on the radio Sunday mornings, 11 to 12 on ESPN Richmond, which is 106.1 FM in the Richmond, Virginia area and is ESPNRichmond.com online. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. Next pitch. Swing a high drive to deep left center field. Long chase waters going back on the run to the warning track. Can't get it. It short hops the fence. Heading for third and coming home is Candelario. Witt Jr. throws it toward the plate. It is too late. It's an RBI double for Corey Dickerson on career hit number 1,000. And the Nationals dugout will ask for that baseball. A milestone hit in the career of Corey Dickerson. A booming double to left center field. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.